Welcome to Humans Who Make Games. I'm Adam Conover, and today we have a bonus episode for you. In 2016, I had the honor of interviewing legendary game developer Rand Miller about his new game, Abduction. Now, if you don't know his name, I'm sure you know his games. Rand and his brother Robin were the creators of Myst, one of the best-selling and most influential games of all time, and a series that holds a special place in my heart. This was one of my first experiences ever interviewing a developer, and Rand had such fascinating things to say about his games, the process of designing them, and what it was like to create a new game in his classic style almost 20 years later. So I really wanted to share this as a bonus episode on Humans Who Make Games so more folks would be able to hear it. Without further ado, here's my interview with Rand Miller. I'm Adam Conover, and I'm here with Rand Miller, the CEO of Cyan and the co-creator of Mist and Riven and of the new game, Abduction, right? That's it. And here's what happened, just from a background so everybody knows. There's, there was this amazing uh, Kickstarter a couple years ago for a game called Abduction. It was a new game by the creators of Myst in that style. I kickstarted it immediately because I'm a huge fan of those games. I was playing it. I was live streaming it on Twitch. The moments after my first live stream, I get a tweet from the PR person from Science saying, wow, we're happy you live streamed it. Do you want to interview the creator of the game? And I was like, yeah, fuck yes. That's incredible. First, Just for me, as a game player, it's nice to have a TV show because now when I play video games, people just randomly say, do you want to interview the creator of the game? The rich get richer. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're here. That's what we're here doing. It's such a thrill to talk to you because I've been a huge fan of your work since I was a little kid. Like, like honestly, uh, Science First Game was Manhole, right? Yeah. Oh, I've, that's way back. I yeah. played Manhole when it yeah. was a, as a hypercard. Oh, get stand. out of here! You played that? I played that in oh, fifth my grade. Gosh. Wow. My my elementary school class had you know Mac Pluses set up. Oh my god. And I played, and I remember playing the Manhole and Cosmic Osmo, yeah. which oh, if, yeah. if you haven't played them, are like imagine sort of a very simple black and white version of Mist with sort of no goal, right? You're exactly, sort of yeah. There's a little bit of story in Osmo because it's like our evolution of our company. Mm -hmm. I mean, in some ways, we were just practicing on people and we got hopefully better at it, you know, worked up to Mist. Kind so of. it was, it was yeah. that was like the sort of experimental yeah, I mean, idea really, that got to Mist, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, it's it's almost weird. We got to experiment and still sell it to people, but and anyway, yeah. Osmo is, I still still think, one of my favorites. I mean, those games had such a huge impact on me, like that feeling of in the manhole uh, that I think went all the way to mist of like you're sort of exploring the space, clicking on little things and trying to, you know, uncover the secrets of that world. You know, yeah. that's that was the emotion that stuck with me where I was obsessively just like, wait, if I do this, I can find a new, and then a new hole opens up and you find a new area to go to. Yeah. And then... In Mist and Riven, what really struck me was, you know, Mist is much more of a, of a formative game experience for me, where where I never got that far in it. Like I never honestly got even to one of the ages, one of like the past the first island. Right. But you know, the hint of story in it, right? Where there's this uh, man played by you. I've removed the remaining undamaged books from the library and placed them in the places of protection. And you know, I don't know, just thought the bring me the blue pages stuff, <laughs> right? So those were all th those are almost like dreams I had as a child, right? But when I played Riven in in uh, probably like '99 or 2000, the thing that really meant a lot to me about those games that I feel like you guys pioneered was the way that you would discover the story and the history of the place yeah. by navigating it and looking at the different objects in the rooms, looking at the architecture, reading notes, and you'd you'd start in this place of I have no idea what's going on in this mysterious world. There's buttons that don't do anything. There's weird objects. And then by the end, you understand the whole history of the place and, and the story of it. And and that sort of like unfolding was such a beautiful experience that when I saw that you guys were kickstarting a new game and it was like spe specifically a spiritual successor to that style of game, I didn't even finish reading the Kickstarter. I backed it immediately. We had you hooked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Ab thank absolutely. you. Thank you for you know backing <laughs> that uh, and... 
I backed it. At, I just I didn't back it at a very good level. Just the one where I got the game. That, but, that's all right. <laughs> all of that helps me to not retire. So, yeah. <laughs> so what was the impetus to? Because I know Cyan has, in the years since Riven, sort of basically experimented with a lot of other different game formats, mm -hmm. right? Um, what yeah. was the impetus to go back to those two games and make a spiritual successor to those as opposed to any of your other work? I, I think the technology more than anything. I really? mean, it just sits there and. and Entices you, you know. You <laughs> all we've ever done. I mean, you bring it up the manhole. All we've ever done is kind of make these worlds. Mm -hmm. we, we, a lot of times, we didn't. We didn't even consider them games. The manhole was arguably yeah. not a game. It was more just of an experience. Weird or, yeah. And Osmo, there wasn't really puzzles or friction like a game has. Mm -hmm. You know, something to impede your progress. It was just explore. So we kept evolving, and Mist then had this friction, and it became more of a game. But we just kept trying to make worlds and. Real-time 3D and VR, all that stuff makes worlds even more potentially immersive. It right. makes you feel like you're there. I think we told people with Miss, you know, sit down in a dark room in front of your <laughs> monitor, which were, you know, this big at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're and, like peering at it like, like you're, <laughs> right. I, I played those games like, you know, you're like six inches away right. from a CRT TV, like like face up, you know. Yeah, yeah, a, and yeah. put the, you know, your speakers next to you and make yeah. it feel like it. People said, oh, I felt like I was in that world. And that's, yeah. that's a cool feeling. Well, with bigger monitors and real-time 3D where you're not just, you know, click snapping to other places and VR in particular as well, you, yeah, I mean, you start to convince your head you're in these places, which is cool. That's enough to, you know, get you to make something new. And that's what abduction was about. Got it. But there was no other impetus to like get back to that sort of style of, um, I, I'm thinking of sort of the game oh, design itself, yeah. like like that you know that way of discovering, right? Like even like Myst 5, which I played, yeah. is a very different game mechanic, right? With the, ta there's like yeah. sort of a tablet that you're drawing on that so you're sort of casting spells and that was like, it's an extremely different game mechanic, right? Yeah. But when I, when I played Abduction, uh, the thing that I was, uh, you know, I really become attached to the experiences that you have from a game mechanic, you know? And, yeah. and so I think that's what, you know, when I'm going back to a sequel or a Spiritual successor. When I play the new Zelda, I want some game mechanics that remind me of that feeling of the old Zelda, right? So, so mm -hmm. when I played Abduction, I had the same sense where it's like, okay, the mechanics are the same as Riven, and the sort of general player experience is the same. Was that something that you wanted to get? Back yeah, to? yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely was, and that. But I think some time has to pass before you can pull that off. You know, mm -hmm. it was like you do that too soon, and it feels like you're you're. It, you can't use the word legacy anymore. It's just <laughs> like, so, but letting time pass, kind of getting yeah. our feet in some other areas, trying some other things, and then saying, you know what, we should try this again. There's a whole new crop of, of gamers out there who might like this. I mean, I was reading Reddit at one point, and somebody said, yeah, I put my parents in, uh, I think it was Assassin's Creed in, in Venice, and just let them explore around there and they said it was awesome except for you know they didn't didn't like killing people <laughs> so I was like, yeah. like well maybe and it, the thread under that was people going yeah oh with 3d engines i wish it was a place i could explore I wish it was a yeah. place i could explore so we you know let the time pass and the other part was we want to make sure we did it right i mean mm -hmm. it's easy to just jump in and do a kickstarter but right. we had some we had some discussion amongst you know our little team of people about what it would even be because it was important, you know, it was yeah. gonna be kind of that jump back to that missed feeling. We would make sure we did it right, and we thought at first it would be missed related. Yeah, and I just couldn't get into that space. I went home for a weekend and just couldn't go there. So I'm really interested in that because I, I got into the Mist lore as a, as a kid. I'm not a completist. I, I actually never played um, uh, Uru because mostly I didn't have a PC at the time. Yeah. But I, you know, I read the first Mist fiction book, the book, cool. of, the book wow. of Atreus, when I was a kid. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I was always attached to that world. And I know that you guys have had like a big fan base. Uh, you know, I'm the sort of nerd where I like reading about other fandoms, right? And so, like, I like reading the wikis for, <laughs> All right, for right. things. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so I, I was aware that there's this big uh, number yeah. of Mist fans, that there's a lot of lore that, that could be explored, and that you guys have really spent a couple decades building it out. So uh, I was very curious, yeah, what, what was the impetus to do a new setting and a new sort of fictional universe? Yeah, well, the, the no-brainer is, well, let's just do a Mist thing, either yeah. a reboot or a, you know, I would have kick-started back, back to that, too. Yeah, 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 and it felt like, at first, like, okay, that's, that would work, people would love it, that would be great, but I went home and 
The best thing and the worst thing about that whole Mist Universe, that whole property, was there's so much there. Yeah. So I I went and I st I mean I remember like it was yesterday that weekend I went home and it feels like this weight is on my shoulders. I got, mm. we got to do this Mist game and it can't interfere with any of the old storyline. Yeah. But we want it to feel like it's kind of that same kind of feeling. It's gonna reach back and it just. It's not fitting, it's just not. Yeah. And, and when I finally came to the conclusion, let's just wipe the slate clean. Let's start with a blank sheet of paper, no, you know, nothing. Oh, um, yeah, suddenly it was right. I mean, and the cool thing about that that we realized afterwards is, Mist was interesting because you had no, one of the things was you had no knowledge yeah. of anything in that universe. You didn't yeah. know, you ended up on that dock, the very first dock on Mist, and you, you didn't know why you were there, who was there, what came before, what comes after. You just, it's, 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 it's a moment in time. Yeah. And the sequels were were good, but they they weren't exactly that same kind of Because you knew. Interesting if, moment. Well, if you're, if, if you're playing Mist 6. Yeah. And, and right. I go and, you know, Adria says like, oh, hello, friend. Or I whatever. need your help because yeah. I can't really do anything myself. <laughs> yeah, because I, I just sit, I'm a little FMV guy, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, Abduction you, has you that. You would know, you yeah. would know that. Uh, you would already know the setting. You you wouldn't go in as that blank slate. Whereas Abduction had a very similar beginning to. I mean, the beginning of Mist is incredible, where you have that little snippet of story, and then there's the book, and you're you were somewhere, but you found this book, and you're gonna press it, and then you're the. Yeah. I can't think of another of, of another game that has more effectively. Um, uh, you know, there are plenty of games that try to make. The the player identify with the player character. That's not that unusual to varying degrees, but I uh, but I can't think of another game that has done it as successfully. Where it's where it's literally Absolutely. you could be you're yourself with your yeah. entire history. Like I, it's in Mist, it's literally could be Adam Conover found a weird book and pushed it, and then was transported that's, to this world. That's how we wanted it to feel. That's yeah. how we always made these games. We, you weren't playing the role of somebody. You were you, and this could have happened to you. And all of a sudden, this. We were. We felt like these were portals that would take you to a special place. That's and so, so you know, jumping into that situation where the where you're completely out of context. You don't you don't know why you're here, where you're here. That's like a really cool feeling. Maybe not for everybody, but <laughs> I, I kind of did that. Well, you know, anyone who's not going to enjoy that is going to be like, who's who wouldn't enjoy that? Right, you know? like, that's you, true. You have to have a low capacity for joy if you're yeah. not going to enjoy that. Well, experience. that's true. And so, abduction gives us a chance to do that again. Yeah. I mean, you you you're stuck there and you don't have a clue. You're you're again at your wit's end, like, okay, I don't know what any of this means. But then you get the joy of kind of uncovering it and realizing yeah. how it all fits together. And that's and, and that's the thing that I loved about that game was, well, you know, I finished it a couple days ago and I had this experience of, again, yeah, it was, it was that same feeling of you enter the world and you're looking, you know, the first thing you do is canvas everything. What is this? What is that? Like, wait, this is strange. You know, um, yeah. I I don't understand why that would be there. This is a weird pattern. You know, yeah. but you're but it, it's it's very uh, sort of overwhelmingly novel. And then at the end, you understand everything. Like you can go here and say, I know why that I know why that object is there. I know what it does. You know, or you know when you're going around at first, there's all these locked doors. You know, it's like you're shaking. The door shakes. You're like, I can't get in. And then like. At the end, it's all of those all of those puzzle pieces have fallen into place, and it's it's so it's so satisfying. I think what I like about it, and it it uh, it fits with you know my sort of my show and and what I do more generally, which is all about you know curiosity and learning and stuff yeah. like that. Is that's the experience of playing those games? Is is it's one of like what is that? I'm curious, and then at the end, you know, you've learned you've actually learned something about a fictional world, but right. but uh, it's it feels so profound. No, it's true. It's like there's something innately interesting about that. Well, for mm -hmm. most people. I mean, I'm curious too. Like, I, I'm always wondering stuff. Even in the real world, but in, in all kinds of entertainment. I mean, we're discussing, you know, current TV shows where we're hoping that it's tight and all the pieces fit together, you know, yeah. that it's not just loose at the end. It's yeah. nice when it comes together and there's some kind of consistency and continuity yes. in there that wraps it up and you go, whoa, somebody was on top of this. Yes. It's really cool. I was just talking to someone about the most the most disappointing thing in a you know serialized TV show that happens in some of them, I won't say which. Um, uh, no, I actually won't say which. I was gonna call <laughs> you, were, you out. You were I'm in, close. I work in LA now, so I shouldn't do it. I, but um, is when there's a show that presents you with a lot of mysteries up front, and yeah. then you realize halfway through that they didn't yeah. know the answers when they wrote the mysteries yeah. because of they're like, wait, no, if they had really known this, yeah. this wouldn't have happened, or they wouldn't have dropped that 
that ball. Right. They, they were setting up mysteries without knowing the conclusions, and I find that so unsatisfying because then there was sort of no, look, it's fiction, so there never is a real answer. The real answer is defined by the person making it. So if they right. don't have an idea for what the smoke monster is, or I didn't even watch Lost, but you know, um, uh, they don't have an answer. It's like, well, then there was no, then the mystery was false, which yeah. is so disappointing. Or if you build it in afterwards, it feels maybe contrived. Like, at one point in an abduction, you get in early, and there's this weird tower in the background that has these like yes. cables hanging, and you, you don't know what they are, but they're like hanging up, and they're they're just yeah. stopped. Yeah, they yeah. just are stuck there. It almost and looks like and to me. I was almost like, is that a graphics glitch? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Right. But then you wander around more and realize, well, it's not a. It's they're stopped. I don't know yeah. what's going on there, but we could have just thrown that in because aesthetically, oh, this is curious. Let's yeah. just do that. But that's. No, that was there for a reason, and it was attached, and there's a whole story behind it, yeah. and, and it fills and now in I know blanks, the, and, and I know the story you now. kind of <laughs> answered all that. Yeah, so anyway, I love that same stuff. Yeah. Um, well, before we talk more about abductions, I have a lot more questions about it. I just want to um, ask, because I, I, I think the, uh, the history of Cyan is so interesting, because, l like I said, it was just my fascination with the games led to, you know, over the last 10 years, I've just, you know, spent a couple, like, once a year I'll go and do a little research on the company and what you guys are up to, and, and I think the trajectory of the company is so unique in games, because you guys had with Myst the biggest game of all time, for ten for ten years, it held the record for the best-selling PC game of all time, right? That's, yeah, we're the best-selling game of the last millennium. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they can never take that away from us. <laughs> oh yeah. And so yeah, because for that period of time, the lowest beef. Cut it off. We yeah. got it. Okay. Next. Like like I think what finally what finally sold more was The Sims. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's what. I know. Like, that's, um, so crazy. But so despite that, um, you stayed like a really small, like seriously indie studio, like. Um, in that you made, uh, there was, you know, the follow-up Riven, which Riven to me felt like a blockbuster game, like, like I would yeah. say by, sort of triple-A by the standards of the time. Mm -hmm. Super, super well-realized. I assume it sold well. It was a mm -hmm. big deal when it came out. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but then you guys really moved to different, like, uh, it felt like the projects that you were working on were so, continued to be so personal and experimental. And, um, you know, I know the sort of fortunes of the company have, have risen yeah. and fallen. Um, why did you sort of take that trajectory? Because it would have been, I'm sure it would have been so easy to be like, okay, we're going to do Miss 345 and sell more and more millions of copies and we're going to go be part of EA or whatever, you know. Um, so that's so striking to me that the most successful game of all time would be made by a, an indie studio that stayed an indie studio. Yeah, which probably has something to do with stupidity. <laughs> uh, you know, hard to explain. No, I, I'm actually really satisfied, as crazy as that seems. We, after Mist and Riven, we kind of let other people do a few of the other games and kind of yeah. consulted on them, but we went on to do this massively online mm -hmm. multiplayer, like our vision of what that would be, and it failed mm -hmm. for... That's Uru and Uru Live. Yeah, yeah. And we'd like to think that we were ahead of our time, you know, and all mm -hmm. of those things. But whatever reason, it failed. But I'm still really proud of that. And we got to try a lot of really interesting stuff. And we did it as a really indie studio. Yeah. And just stayed that way. It feels right. And we've had, we've had, you know, growth, ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. But the most satisfying, honestly, the most satisfying times are when we're smaller. It's like a team of people, and I feel like I have my hands on what yeah. we're doing, and I know the people, and we all get a say. You know, it's not some guy working on a screw head in the basement. <laughs> it's no, everybody's kind of gets to shape the project. And with abduction in particular, it, we pulled off, like, I don't think people in the industry realize how small the team was that did abduction. How many I, people is it? There was like six artists and mm -hmm. four programmers. And that's, really? that's unheard of. I yeah, mean, and, it, and really it was small. a VR version as well. I mean, and we, the game is gorgeous and it looks great. Like it doesn't look like a, it's not like you guys did it in pixel art or something no, like that. It's, no. it's a, it is the, the quality of the art is as high as, as anything you'll see in any game. Yeah, and we're getting, we got great reviews and yeah. I, I'm just proud of that. And it was a lot of people worked really hard, but I love the indie feel. And yeah. you know, you, for a while, you couldn't be an indie company. You connected with a publisher, and they got 90%, and you know you kind of did your work and shipped it off to them. And then so many of the indie 
houses kind of either got absorbed, like you said, yeah. you know, were bought by a big publisher or just died. But yeah. we managed to stay alive. It, just, it, I, I mean, I, and I wasn't, but I think you, I think it's the right way to go because you, yeah. you have control over your work and then, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting that then you, that I guess that cuts both ways because if you do a big project like Guru, that really is your vision and, I mean, hey, let's say, let's say even if, if you say it failed, right? I'm not going to say that because I know a lot of people love that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, you're still like four for five, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but so that's a lot of risk, you know, because I yeah. know that 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 caused some financial problems for the company. But it's also like so incredible that you you know that you kept making games in the same way, you know, after after Mist and Riven, which were like you said at first you're experimenting with the manhole, and then and then Mist. Still feels like an experiment, but was just happened to be a massively successful one. But it just sort of seems like you guys sort of kept kept that same focus and kept making games in the same way. It's really admirable. I yeah, think. I, I think it's. I mean, it's like life. You know, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna hit it out of the park every time. You're gonna be lucky <laughs> if you get a hit at all. Yeah. So you just have to recover from the failures, or at least set it up so you can recover from the failures. Even yeah. I mean, that's just. If you do that, you might have a chance to, you know, roll the dice again. Is yeah. how it feels like. So abduction was our chance to roll it again. And, and it's been a success. It seems yeah, like yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's great still reviews. Out, so one of the, you know, the flip side of the coin of not having a publisher is not a lot of people get to know because uh, there's that whole marketing part of yeah, things. That, you know, yeah. We put all the money into the game, yep. and the, but. Once you get the reviews that we've gotten, yeah. it's a good chance to then take some of the money we made and put it back into marketing and let more people know about it. I was it. so happy when the reviews were good for the game. I, oh. I was I was like, well, because I, I read them before I played it, you know, but yeah. I had Kickstarter backed it because I was like, I, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, this if this is the pitch, I, I will, I'm throwing my money at it, you know? I like, and hey, maybe it won't come out good. You never know, you know? And that's how it should be when you're back in a Kickstarter is you're like, yeah. I, I want to see this in the world, so I'm going to contribute to it. But then when the reviews came out and and not only were they good, but it felt like the people who played it like got what you guys were doing and got the, those, you know, mechanical resonances with the with the prior games. Um, I was like, oh, that's so, it just made me feel so good. Oh, you don't know the, the feeling at the office. Cause I mean, this yeah. is huge for us. I mean, yeah. here we we are an older company. I've got gray hair. I've been in this a long time. Yeah, and it could have been done long ago. But this is a chance to say, no, this is this is a valid. People like this. It's a valid style. We can do this again. It's a different team of people, but many of them I've worked with before. But you know, we pulled it off, and those first reviews came in the day we were shipping the game. I mean, really? the Kickstarter backers. We had no idea it was like whether it was going to be good yeah. or bad. And I remember the first review comes in, and it's like. Nine out of ten. Yeah. They loved it. I was yeah. like, that's all I need. Yeah. I just need one person to get it. Yeah. You know, and then I'll know at least we've done a good job. And they kept coming in, you know, fairly good. We were, yeah, we were so ecstatic. Well, so let, let me ask, and it's it's almost a, it feels like a sensitive question, but it's also, I feel like I know more about the financial history of the company because you guys are a little bit more public about it than yeah. most maybe. Has it, or do you anticipate it to be the kind of financial success that'll allow you to keep going and make another game using the same model? Like, is it, are you like, oh, we cracked the code, this is financial stability in game making, or is it, you know, a little bit like, uh, it's a little bit like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. a good way to describe it. Yeah. But we, we're, we're optimistic because I just don't think a lot of people know yet. Yeah. We still meet people who are like, wait, 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 the Miss guys did another game? How yeah. did I not hear about it? And it's because we haven't shouted from the rooftops, really. We, you know, we're a small company and we put our effort into it. So, yeah, like, like I said, we, we've, got, we've gotten enough sales that kind of keep us rolling, give us some time to breathe to other platforms. Yeah. VR is huge, and we're, yeah. we were bestseller. The VR version was a bestseller on the Oculus Store for a few weeks, really? even, which is crazy. And we're now it's, it's coming to PS4, and it's going to be on PSVR, which, yeah. which I think is probably counts for some marketing. Oh, that's going to that. be huge because that's a huge installed base, and that'll yeah. help as and, well. And I and I have to say, you know, I I have not yet bought myself a VR headset because I'm intrigued by the technology, and I love. Being on the bleeding edge of, you know, the thing that attracts me too about it the most is that it's like this sort of new medium that the, uh, you know, that the the way people design games for it will probably change. There's going to be a lot of cool experimental stuff. Uh, but at the same time, it, it feels like there's a to almost total lack of like 
actual games, right? That, yeah. That's where everyone's gonna, like even PSVR. I played the Batman thing, which which is very yeah. much like it's a game. I'm like this is like a cool demo, you know? That's how I felt. And so mm-hmm. when I was looking around the Oculus store, um, uh, I was like, oh yeah, this is. This is like one of the only things that's a game, 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 game. This is a game that you can play fully on VR, um, which I yeah has to help. I no, that's think. true. We get that comment a lot, and we felt the same way. I think if you're making, I think we timed it well, probably just by sheer luck. But you know, it's a hybrid game, so it plays on a flat screen or on yeah. VR. I don't think you could fund the size game that abduction is just for VR. Really? There's just not enough installed not enough base to cover yeah. it. Right. So because we did it for both, we could make it a much larger experience than what you could do if you were just doing VR at this at this stage. But so, that said, I think that's I think that's changing like really quickly and I, and for future projects I think we're all in on VR. That's yeah. what that's what I've heard. Like you so that you really feel that's the technology you want to explore. Yeah, well if, if nothing else it's motivating. I mean it gets it Gets my, you know, my blood running. I, yeah. I, well, it gets I, everybody excited, you know. Yeah. I mean, when you get in there and use the the hand controls and you're looking around, I mean, something something in you triggers like, oh, this this is kind of magical, yeah. cool thing. Here's know? here's my question though. It's a little bit of a challenging question because I, again, I don't have a headset, but I, I got I have I did buy a you know a, a VR capable computer. Yeah. And, and I was and I got I, I I got abduction, and so I asked my friend with an Oculus, hey, bring your Oculus over so we can try this out. And it was the first you know proper uh, I'd used a little bit of VR before, but it was mm-hmm. sort of my first experience with a game I bought that I can try in VR. And I tried it that way, and it's look, it's gorgeous. It's incredible. Like I, um, you know, I really felt transported to the place. And you're like, you know, l- the experience of looking around and and sort of moving through the different areas is, you know, like like that sort of opening entrance of Hunrath where there's the big cliffs above you, and you're oh, like, yeah. you're like, what the fuck? They're like, yeah. uh, you know, you actually feel like you're at the bottom of this huge chasm. Yeah, you don't get you that know? on the flat screen. When you actually look yeah. up, you get a sense of like how yeah. high up the cliff walls are. It's a cool thing. But yeah. what I find so interesting about VR, um, and it's, it's you know, part of, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about the format, was I had that experience, and I had the experience of like looking, like seriously, just the picnic table in the first area. I was like, look at this fucking picnic table. <laughs> it looks so real. Like I was just blown away. I felt like I was on mushrooms, right? right. I was just like, whoa, you know? But then, the as I played it, I started to navigate that initial area, and I started to do the gameplay patterns you you do when you're playing an adventure game. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, okay, now I've seen all the cool stuff. Now let me go back and look in every area, make sure I've seen everything, figure out what the first puzzle to solve is, which is a lot of backtracking, you know. Yep. And I had this experience of. You know, my friend had just brought the Oculus over to try it. I was like, I can't wait for him to leave and take his Oculus so I can play it for real, where I could fall back into my old gameplay patterns of doing that sort of rigorous exploration, you know? Yeah. And then, so I played through the whole game on on flat screen. I'm uh, playing it on my couch, and you know, there's a ton of backtracking in the game. Like right. this is a this is a classic. The puzzles are these, you know, very similar to Riven, where it's these these spatial m- sort of map puzzles where you change something on the map and you have access to something from a different area. So you have to go around. You pull a switch over here. You got to go over there and see what the effect is, you know. And I had the sense that like being in VR wouldn't be most suited to that part of the experience, you know. Um, yeah. That in a way, I think it, it does feel like a hybrid where. It's like the sort of, you know, older game uh, for, or this sort of, you know, classic tried and true set of mechanics that were developed for flat screen and are, you know, I, yeah. I wonder if there's any friction bringing those into VR. It, it wasn't friction as much as we anticipate people are going to play it with both. If, you yeah. can, if you're going to play it with a, a Rift headset, which is what's it's available on now, you, you're going to have a computer with a monitor that you can play it on too. And we, it's a long gameplay yeah. session, especially with a head wearing a headset all yeah. that time. So we just thought people would play it both on and off, and yeah. we always considered that's how it would be played. Mm-hmm. So to us, it was—I mean, we weren't really trying to make it for one or the other specifically. We just yeah. thought it would be a nice. That makes a lot of sense. You would think you would take it on and off, because yeah, because yeah. I mean, the, the another funny thing with VR is is that the the it's physically fatiguing, like right. in a way that normally playing video games aren't. So I was, I, you know, I would do four hour play sessions on my flat screen of like, I'm gonna learn this number system and I'm gonna solve this maze and stuff like that. And when I was playing, you know, on the on the Rift, I would I would find myself like, this is amazing. 
I need to take a break because right, I'm sweaty. Right, I'm right. standing up and I'm sweaty. You know, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess especially with like PSVR uh, uh, in particular, people can just sort of take it off and yeah. then keep playing. Now, did you play? There's different modes in VR too because there's this comfort level. You know, that yeah, I tried both. So there's okay. the mode where you can blink around, yeah. similar to the old. Uh, to, to like Mr. River, right. and then there's the free roam. Right. And I couldn't figure out which I preferred because I definitely got nauseous in yeah. free roam, yeah. um, but I liked navigating. I found myself better able to understand the spatial organization of the map. Sure. Um, uh, versus, you know, because uh, the Agus on the remote, it has the mode where you can also turn 90 degrees. And so I, I got pretty good at moving around quickly that way, like doop, doop, bop, yep. bop, bop, and I could bop around. But then I was like, well, then I'm just sort of sitting, staring straight forward, occasionally going like this. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm not, it, that ended up reducing my immersion a little bit yeah. to navigate yeah, sure. that way. So yeah. I, I just think all those things about VR are so, that's what's so interesting about it is that it's like, it it feels like a space where the develop where developers such as yourself are still figuring out. Oh yeah. What is the experience that we have in this? I, and I sort of have the yeah. sense that five years from now, VR games aren't gonna resemble flat screen games in no. terms of the way you interact with them. Yeah, I don't think so. That's one of the things that's exciting. I mean, you know, when you go to design anything, you have to just, you have to figure out your constraints first. What, yeah. are, what are the design constraints? And so. Abduction is almost like this experiment for us to know the box well. We got yeah. like a f three years of experience. Like, okay, what does this give us? What does it take away? Yeah. What can we do? What can't we do? And we feel like, okay, all right, we kind of have a handle on that. And you know, moving forward, we, it's if it's VR only, it means oh, we've got some ways we, some things we can do, and some things we want to stay away from. Yeah. Do you think your next games are going to be VR only? Yeah, we've got. We have like really interesting plans. It's not just one game. We've got like a lot of designs that we've been yeah. sitting on for many years that we're kind of the, in various stages, and we're applying them all to a VR world and seeing which ones bubble up. And some will be sooner rather than later, but all of them are VR oriented. Got it. I mean, because it, it really seems like I think what VR really needs is that killer game where it's like, yeah. like I, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough to be in a position where if there's a game that I want to play, I can buy the system for it. You know, yeah. if some amazing, I don't have an Xbox One. If some incredible thing comes out on Xbox One, I can go out and buy it. You know, that's what will motivate me to get the system. You know, yeah. um, uh, and so far, like even you know, uh, I thought, oh, maybe Abduction will be the thing that makes me buy a, a, an Oculus or a Vive, um, and then uh, I was like, well, I can. Play it, I can play 2D though, so I can try it out on my friends, have the experience, and then I don't have to. And and so then the install yeah. base, you know, uh, doesn't yeah, grow. It, it feels like it needs those VR only experiences. Yeah, I think those are coming, and I think it's. It feels like it's so. It's still early on. I mean, honestly, yeah. it seems like we're getting some pretty good stuff, but it's still on the fringes of stuff. I mean, let's face it. You put this thing on, and it's got a tether coming off. I mean, who who's gonna put up with that? But you know, really avid. Fans right now yeah. with this giant tail going off and it's wrapping around. If you're standing up, it's wrapping around your feet and yeah. you know. But but we know where this goes. Yes. I mean, this thing's going to get smaller and yes. better and cleaner and nicer and oh, that's going to yep. go away and yeah. And I think I, there's a lot of people like I'm kind of with VR. I'm like I'm going to wait for Gen Two. Like and then yeah. I'll, you know because I I sense that happening. See what There's a lot of people who feel that way. Yeah. But PSVR is really because PSVR really did. They really made the Nintendo Wii version of VR where it's like. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's a killer Christmas present. You can anyone can plug it in and try it, and, and uh, they, they feel like they sort of nailed yeah. that form factor. I so think it's all really cool. the all the uh, analysts are saying it's gonna, you know, it's it's the way most people will go because it's it's the least barrier to entry too. You know. So uh, in terms of getting back to the design of the of the specific game uh, uh, of Abduction, um, I think one of the really cool things about uh, Cyan as a studio is that you guys. Um, uh, not only have been like an indie studio making opinionated games, but they're in like a very specific style and have a very specific set of mechanics and like, like that. That's why, you know, I got excited because I was like, Cyan the studio is making a new game and they make games in a way that nobody else does in a way that I really appreciate. And when other people make games in those ways, it's always seen as just a, a nod to you guys, like The Witness or you know, Mist has had plenty of you know, like Mist clones or or things that are reminiscent of that. Um, and I'm just curious, what do you see as the things about sign, either way you're structured or like the, the principles of game design that you have that make that, what, what is the secret sauce or is no, there that's, one? That's a really good question. <laughs> I think we've looked at it like over the years to try and figure it out. And we've come down to what now is affectionately known as Miller's Pillars, 
which I, I didn't make up that term. So I was know, so excited to I hear these. It. So <laughs> I keep saying this, and somebody coined that phrase, but it's it feels <laughs> it's like a what very we. Funny name. I, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. <laughs> um, the, uh, it feels like what we try to balance is like this tripod of uh, the story, you know, yeah. the narrative, the friction, the gameplay mechanics, and the environment. Mm -hmm. It feels like the entire development process as we're like in the heat of this battle, whether it's the beginning when we're working with sheets of paper or whether we're building it in the 3D models, we're always trying to balance those three things and they mm -hmm. iterate on each other. If the puzzle doesn't feel like it should fit in the environment, then it, it's not going to work. If the story doesn't support the puzzle, it's not going to work. Like all those things have to support and balance each other equally, and that's kind of been our philosophy. Yeah, and it's just so striking that the, I mean, that's what I love about the games is that it always it feels like everything, every puzzle is there for a good reason. That it was, and and I, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit like, why did they build a gate in particularly this way? But the, in the game, you're like, yeah, this this character did. You know, you, you're using a machine that they built for their own purposes. That has a that has a history. Um, and even by looking at the puzzle, you understand more about the fictional world. The game mechanics and the puzzles and the lore are like all up in each other. They're the same. Thing. Thing, where so many other video game environments feel like, okay, you had one artist make a really awesome town, and then you had a, a game designer make a, a game mechanic and something to do in the town, but the things never interact. It's just a pretty backdrop for uh, a, a monster to fight or a puzzle to solve, whereas like everything has a reason in, in Mist and Abduction. Yeah, yeah, and it's that's not easy. That's the thing that is, I mean, it drives us crazy and I don't know that we actually make games like anybody else in this industry because we yeah. we spent you know a couple months writing this down on big pieces of paper I mean literally big blank sheets of paper designing this but then when it goes to our artists there's a lot that keeps getting designed and yeah. keeps getting talked over and keeps getting put in front of people and they don't do what we thought they would do, so we tweak it, and they didn't get this story element, and we tweak it, and then we figure out in our own minds, like, wait a minute, we lost some continuity here. This doesn't, this one mm -hmm. doesn't support this. We should do this, and we change it, and there's a, it. It's like the thing has a life of its own, but it feels like it's real to us. It, I mean, we treat this like it's a real place. Like, no, that shouldn't be there because that wouldn't be there, and it all. Yeah. We try to integrate it all. Even Richard Watson, who's kind of the game designer I've worked with for 15 years, mm -hmm. he he even g goes to the extent of going back and examining everything in the initial state of the game and, and saying, well, could how did this get set this way? Could it have been set this way? Could this gate have been closed? And then the guy who closed it got into where he was, and oh, could wow. this door be locked from this side and this one from this side? And I mean, hey, he just like takes pleasure in that kind of thing, which is handy. Yeah. Uh, but that's the kind of stuff yeah. that we like. You know, it feels <laughs> like a real place. Yeah, I mean, I actually really like that. That in abduction, the um, even the initial puzzles are uh, they say like this area is battened down, like they've right. like they've set everything up, they've sort of locked all the doors on purpose, yeah. you know, in order to protect themselves and you're, and you're trying to, like, th that, has, that has a reason, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, and th there's, there's other things that, are, that we've learned over the years, like, abduction is, is somewhat linear at the beginning. The canyon is a, is a great example of mm -hmm. what I think is some things we did right in abduction, where players need a little bit of reassurance at the beginning of a game. You know, you're, yeah. especially in our games where it's all wide open and you yes. don't have a clue why you're there. But we lead you almost in a canyon. There's only one way to go. And yeah. so you feel like, okay, I'm getting my abduction legs on. I'll walk out the canyon. And it starts to widen out. And as it does, your options start to widen out. Yes. And just at the time that you think, I'm not sure which way I want to go, there's a little message device that says, oh, you should... Oh, welcome. Yeah. This is a happy place, you know. Uh, you should follow the trail to Farley's house. And you as a player at least have in your back pocket, oh, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. But at least I have Someone a small goal now. And as the world opens up, we, you know, we try to give you goals, but then there's less and less of those. And at some point you're on your own and you have, you've got the whole world to yeah. figure out. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. The... Um, I'm really struck by the distinction between 
when you're playing the game, you have that first impression of these things, right? Mm -hmm. So like you you get that you see that weird messenger. That's one of the first things that happens in the game with the weird guy going like, "Hello, welcome to Hunrath," <laughs> and he's talking strange as this weird image, you know. Right. Um, or you see the house in the middle of this. You see a suburban clapboard house, sort of. Oh, I don't know what yeah. clapboard is, but in the middle in the middle of like an Arizona desert on an alien planet, right? And you you're like, "What the fuck is that?" And you have this shock of unreality, and it just looks oh, weird yeah. and cool, right? Um, but then, once you've played the whole game, you know, I know who that weird guy is and why he talks that way and what that imager device is. I know why that, wh where that house came from, why it's there. It's not weird to me anymore. Yeah. When you're designing, do you start, I, I, I'm, I was really struck by how much that house centered is in the original Kickstarter. There, yeah. that, there's, a de there's an ancestor of that house there. Was, when you start design, do you start from the point of like, I got this cool image in my head, uh, a house, you know, a suburban house on, a, on an alien landscape. Or do you start from the position of, um, okay, there are these seeds that travel through space and they transport things, you know, do you start from, which end do you come from? No, we, we started with the, um, honestly, the way we started is, it's really interesting to be abducted. I mean, <laughs> I, what would happen if you were snatched out and placed on some weird planet, you yeah. know, like, or, you know, someplace strange that you didn't, I mean, it just felt like mist-like. Yes. In a way, I, I'm, I'm, I'm abducted, I'm taken against my will, placed somewhere. Yes. And we had a couple mechanisms in mind, you know, that we knew we wanted to work with. But honestly, on the blank piece of paper, we were like, okay, you start here. We knew that there was kind of spheres and circles played mm -hmm. a large role in this yeah. thing. I love that mechanic yeah, so Yeah, we, we really liked that too. And, and we kind of started using that. But the game almost, okay, and this is going to be, this is like what, Things songwriters say, like, well, the song was out there. I just, you know, it just came to me, wrote down. It feels like when we're drawing this world, like it's, it's like there because the pencil draws, and oh, this cliff opens up, and the uh, house will be here, and then, yeah, oh, but the door will be locked, and we'll put the fence will be here, and it's like it's coming from somewhere. I don't know where. Maybe it, I'm, I'm sure in another. It's in a quantum other universe somewhere this happened, and we're just channeling it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the, it's so funny because you're describing the whole lore of Mist, where, where you write the that's books right, that's, and, and create that's the true. worlds as you write them, and it, but they already exist when you're doing yeah. it. That's the whole... There is this weirdness that, that feels like sometimes that's what we do. You know, that yeah. whole circular reference in Mist where like, oh, they wrote worlds, and you could explore them, and oh, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How do you how do you go about designing the puzzles because they're also so they're also so specific and they're different than puzzles even other puzzle games like The Witness is similar in many ways but the puzzles are so different. The main thing I noticed about Abduction is that so many of the puzzles are spatial where you uh, are teleporting or you're teleporting a chunk of the environment and that opens or closes a door and then you realize, oh, now if I go around that area that was blocked is open now, but now I've cut off my access to this, so how do I also gain access to that? Which yeah. is very, again, feels like Riven, feels like this sort of cyan type of puzzle that no one else really does. Um, and there's also all these puzzles that are based on, you know, a little lever or like a little thing mm -hmm. block, like, the, you know, these, these mechanical objects that you have to sort of understand how the mechanics work. Um, uh, how, do you, how do you go about creating those? Yeah, the, the puzzles are hard because, <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's another thing that I think a lot of people don't make these kind of games because, it, like, a shooter... You kind of know what the mechanics are. Yeah. I get a weapon, I kill a bad guy, <laughs> I could get a better weapon. You know, what I mean? <laughs> rinse, repeat. Yeah. I'm, I'm not dissing it, but it's you know it's fun. But yeah. that's you know now I just have to skin it in some cool things and put a little story in there and bake, and it's cool. Well, we can't use the same puzzles we made in our other games. We can't go, oh, we'll just put you know the game mechanic. We'll use the same puzzles and the same layout. We'll just put it in a different place. Like, no, no people will be like, what? Yeah. No, you can't do that. Yeah, you guys do so one. So everything's got to be meticulously like, okay, okay, no. We should try and make that fit with the space. So there's two ways to do it. The one is we've got puzzles in the game that are that draw on your, on your natural, intuitive uh, nature. At one point, there's a, there's a gate. This one could have worked better, but it still works pretty good. There's a gate that's sitting in water. Yeah. And it has these... Things yeah. that go up and down. Yeah, they've got two sides that are... Yeah, you're not clear, like, wait, am I blocking? But I'm not blocking the water because one side's up one. Yeah. Is it channeling? No. But when you change it, it kind of moves yep. a little, and yep. you go back and pull a switch, and this thing releases on top. Yeah, a little spoiler alert, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway. 
that one is meant to draw on your real world experience. Like yeah. you, you think, okay, let me put this together and what I know you about physics and if this and the, the water and yep. hopefully figure it out without knowing a game system. You're not, yes. we're not really using another puzzle language. Mm -hmm. we're, we're using everyday life. You know, you, you have that one in your yeah. grasp if you think about it. But then there's other puzzles in the game that make you learn a system. It's like the witness where, yep. I mean, that kind of thing where there's, a couple that really make you think about the system, the one with the alien panels. Yeah, yeah there's there's a, there's an alien numbering system to learn, and right. then you have to learn how that aliens use that numbering system to influence the environment. So not only are you learning the language, but you're learning the thought process and the way it interacts with with stuff. Um, and yeah. that was that was honestly one of my favorite parts of the game. I love I you know I love having that. Oh, I, I mastered a fictional. That's why I love yeah. the witness too. Is that you? Right. It, you you you. Are learning by doing that, right? It feels like um, you're you're taken out of your natural. This isn't something you'd find in everyday life, and now you're learning that language to yeah. use. And the same thing with the spheres. The spheres. Yeah. And those were interesting because there's there's this great aspect to those. Spoil, you know, let's, there's some spoiler let, let, alerts let's in here. Spoil it. Yeah. You, you, there are these spheres, and you're teleported to another world, but it takes a chunk of the environment right. with you. So it's like teleporting this whole. Anything that's there is over there, and so you end up changing the environment of the worlds by swapping. Right. Which, when I got that, when I figured out what was going on, I was like, "Oh, this is so brilliant!" Yeah, that's I was like, oh, yes. it felt so good. But that's those, that's the reaction you you just love for people to yeah. have is when, because it, it happens at the beginning of the game. I mean, it's like from the very beginning that happens. But yeah. what you don't realize is. You, you just, you're, we're so centric on where we're at that we don't, we realize That's that that came with me, but what went there, you know, you don't realize that yeah. they swap. I didn't even realize yeah. when you're first abducted, uh, I, just, I assume we'll call it you're abducted. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it took a chunk of the forest to the desert world. Right. The very first thing that happens in the game, but I didn't notice that that happened. It wasn't until I went, until I experienced the spheres and went back to that entry level where I was like, oh, there's the picnic table and the lamp again. Right. It came with me. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's not real clear, and it, and it, it, it's kind of cool when, if you realize that at the beginning because you go, oh, yeah, I'm in a circular sphere. But you never think of what's back in the forest where you came from. Yeah. What, what happened? I just came here. And, it's, and then you walk through and you find actually the, the white ho the house with the white picket fence. You, know, you go to that and, it, and it's in a big circular chunk too. And you're like, okay, that maybe came here. And you start finding those yeah. things. But it's not until later on in the game that you... you start to realize, well, wait a minute, if I came here, what went there? Yeah. And that's a really cool moment. It really is. Yeah. I love the details that design so much. Like, I love the house, the circle of house. And for some reason, the part I like the most, I, I don't know why, but at the front of the house, there's this spot where the asphalt has, oh, like, yeah. crumbled down um, into yep. the desert, where, like, a little bit of it fell apart. And I just love that. I yeah. stared at it so much, and, and I can't even figure out what about it affected me so much. Maybe it was that it like made the space feel like it had history, like it had been there a while and something yeah. had, had fallen. Um, but it was also like imagining an artist sort of creating a realistic looking bit of decay. Like it, yeah. I, I don't know, it was. No, decay's the hard part. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to make the asphalt and put a texture on it, it looks like yeah. normal, but um, the artist at the office had to then break that up and put every one of those separate chunks of asphalt separately and make it look like it had fallen down. And that was the point, to make it look like, oh, this is older than... Yeah, and there's so many yeah. bits of architecture, yeah. the bit of train yard that's been sliced away, yeah. like the, the train station. It's yeah. the, and one of the same artists who worked on The Witness also worked on Abduction, right? Yeah, our art director yeah. Um, worked on The Witness and, as well. And I noticed there's some similarities because The Witness also, the architecture in The Witness is incredible where it's this collision, there'll be like collisions of different architecture styles yeah. that... Yeah. Um, but in, I guess the difference is in The Witness, they're sort of like done in an abstract way, whereas in Abduction, it's for a story reason that this right. was sliced there. Right, and Eric, our art director, he, I mean, and I'll say this again, I mean, it's not like we did a design, uh, Richard and I did a design and just gave it, here, make this, make yeah. this, people. <laughs> Eric and uh, other artists and programmers, I mean, they all had a voice in kind of shaping this thing, but Eric, you know, I mean, he was, obviously had a lot of say and suggestions and how this would play out and even with puzzles and and so a lot of a small team of talented people put together it's real, it's a real, lot of cool stuff there but yeah it, the decay to get back to that yeah. 
That is so hard. We, we made the world, the world is done really nicely first. And it looks hideous, because it's like, well, it's nice. It looks yeah. too clean. It yeah. looks too pristine. We need to trash this up a bit. And that's like, takes so much time. Yeah. That took probably, you know, uh, kind of go in and rust things up and tarnish things and decay things and trash things. and Really? Yeah, it adds a lot of... Uh, That's the thing, yeah, is that the there's, so, there's so few... The number of interactable elements in the game is so small, right? That it's like, it's sort of every space has like one lever you can push or one button, you know? But then the experience of exploring it, the environment is so incredibly rich that, that you never feel that way. You feel like, you know, it's... It's often like, uh, I don't know, I think about when I played like Bioshock Infinite, I was like, this environment is so cool. Oh, Why yeah. do you have to shoot things? It felt like they, <laughs> right, it right. felt like the people who made that game just wanted to make like a mist-type game where they wanted yeah. to create a cool world. Right. And that's what you guys do is it's is it's like the entire focus is on we're going to make an incredible environment. So the puzzles are environmental, the stories are environmental. Um, okay, I have a couple uh, questions that I'm going to, these are the questions that I'm going to kill myself if I don't ask, so, and we're running out of time, so I want to make sure I get to them, so we'll do a couple quick questions. Um, right. At the very beginning of the game, you find a brass lantern, and there's yeah. also a white house. That, those are two of the very first things. To me, that's a clear Zork reference, is that the case? Yeah. Why a Zork reference? This is a little hearkening back. I loved Zork. It was yeah. one of the... Somebody asked me what games were like the most instrumental to me, and mm -hmm. Zork was is on the list, high on the list, because it. I mean, it's odd. It's really weird to I'm think of this. I'm a huge text adventure fan. Too, oh yeah, so, but yeah. that was the first time I felt like I was in another world. It's it. just text, but I'm thinking about it outside of playing the game for yes. the first time. That was the experience I had. Like, I'm, I'm contemplating this place as if it was another place. Well, what if I? What if I do this? What if I yeah. change this? And it, and that was. That's one of those moments. So yeah, I am really fond of. That's Zork so series. funny to me because I almost think of Mist as a Zork-like game where it's like you know what I mean, where yeah. where where oh, it's yeah. to me an or beginning. It's a start point for games, and so it's so interesting to me to think. I think of Zork as a different lineage, so it's so interesting to me. No, no, it's be. that was all inspiration for what Mist was. I mean, Mist was inspired by you know everything's inspired by a lot of things, but Zork is definitely on the short list for Mist. Got it. Okay, so I want to ask you about something that uh, I was uh, like. Uh, I don't want to call it a plot hole, but it's a thing where I'm like, wait a second. Plot hole? About <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> in, a, in Abduction, that first area of Hoonrath, right, has a lot of, yeah. it's like uh, this this old mining town, and then other bits of American landscape have been teleported from different periods in time, right? Yeah. Um, but that didn't, it, that wasn't the case in the other alien worlds that were also abducted to some other planet, right? Is there, a, is, is there in your mind a story-based reason for that? No, no. In fact, okay, so... If you look at um, if you look at the other worlds, you know the the one with the cliffs, mm -hmm. the, the gray rock and the cliffs. Mm -hmm. That one does have a few of those oh. in there. Go oh, back okay. and, and look. There's oh. a few that we that I was we sprinting. Put in. I was holding on shift too much. Right, and there's some sections. There's not as many that were in Hunrath because, I mean, to a certain extent, we weren't sure what even to, what are the other yeah. historical things we put in there. But there are just some chunks, that random chunks that don't go anywhere that look like they were pulled from another part of that world. So, Got it. Which is Oh, yeah, I remember one of those now. I think I could never reach it, but there it was. The, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Or you walk, You uh, there's one at one point that even has some little water in a pool and the rock is a different color, circular sphere. And there's one even on your initial walk past where you kind of go through an orangey color of rock that doesn't go anywhere but came from uh, somewhere else. So that's that's it. Now in the in um, Marais, which is the jungle yeah. kind of world, there there's not any. Mm -hmm. And our story uh, reason for that is there's it's twofold. I don't know how much in depth you want to go here. One Very is, spoilery stuff. I'm yeah, curious. Yeah, no. Um, yo, this, believe me, this is stuff... You, you, Plot hole, please. <laughs> <laughs> you have really thought this through. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's two reasons. One is, Marae people actually were abducted. Um, they, they were right? a, 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 a transient mm -hmm. tribe of nomadic of people. Yeah. yeah, nomadic, and and so when they left their planet, it was because it was it was gone, and they mm -hmm. were on their next journey. So there weren't chunks of people that would have been abducted, but there still would have been a few, but they were also very, um, their architecture is is almost fluid in what they mm -hmm. can do with it, and you see that in some of their control panels when they're, when yeah. there's like this, we had this 
the backstory of that is it's almost like this nanoparticle stuff where they would create their yeah their architecture. appears and disappears. Yeah, and we don't really get into that, but um, and the fact that it's jungle and very overgrown, where there could have been some chunks that basically were just then reformed and overgrown that and, and there weren't as many because of who they were. Got it. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's a total that's a totally yeah. that makes total sense to me. Okay, great. Um uh this is one that when I was reading forums and things This uh, is great by the way. No one ever does this. I love answering these questions. <laughs> oh good. This well, is this, fun. This is one that I don't this is not sort of my own question. It was something that I saw on some forums of some people who are being a little bit cynical and I want to know what your what your response is that, okay. that the last world you go to um uh, Soria or Mofang, which, yeah. which what you would call it, Man, you are it good. is a very well. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm the, when I play a game, I play a game, and I learn, I learn everything. So I think I understand the whole story. But that world is a very uh, huge spoiler, but it's a very empty world because it's mm -hmm. sort of been exploded. I heard a couple people say ah, they probably ran out of development time and they had to cut a bunch of stuff, and that's why that area is so empty. Uh, I'm curious, is that the case or is that no? Okay. That is not the case. That place is blown to hell. <laughs> it's supposed to be. In fact, in the yeah. middle of it, it's subtle, but when you get to the one spot of it, there's yeah. a crater there yeah. where the thing went off. Yeah. Big spoiler alert kind yes. of stuff. And in fact, even when you get to the dome walls of it, there's like char marks on that, like mm -hmm. something big blue here. So yeah. that was the whole point of that. Got um, it. There was it was never Granted, we probably could have kept some stuff there, but we really, I mean, the design was, no, this should look trashed. It yeah. should really look like, no, all hell broke loose here. The great part about yeah. this is, even though this is spoilers, no one who's played the game is gonna understand. Like, this that's won't be, true. it's gonna be like a weird hint. Like, if anyone watches it and then goes and plays the game, then they'll yeah. be like, that's what they were talking yeah. about, which uh, is almost true. like playing the game itself. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, here's my last, this is my last big, Story question. This is like my, you know, end game. I think I understand everything that happened. You know, so these uh, seeds transport people sort of at the moment that, that they're in danger, like they're maybe about to die, and they get abducted. Right? Yeah. There seems to be the implication that uh, when the original world of Hunrath, like the original big swap that yeah. happened, was because the planet itself was going, that something bad was going to happen on Earth specifically, like that that chunk of Earth was saved from apocalypse by the trees. Is that is that is that you're idea on close. track? Close. You're close. It's it's basically micro and macro scales of what happens. So mm -hmm. the idea behind all of this is, and everybody's saying this now. I mean, it's but we're we're vulnerable because mm -hmm. we abhor to a certain extent or aren't able to be scattered any further than Earth. That's it. This is as far as we're scattered. And everybody wants to scatter us to Mars and the moon and all this stuff to save us. But we, Because humans are stuck on Earth and if anything bad happens on Earth, we're stuck here. We know that in nature, scattering is useful and beneficial and, and, and enhances us and does yeah. wonderful things to us. But, yeah. but us as, a, as an individual, I don't really want to be scattered against yeah. my will. Yeah. You know, in spite of the fact that it feels like, oh, it could really be a benefit. Well, we're kind of dealing with that. So the, the idea was that what if there was this natural process, and we leave that kind of vague, what that is, how that works, and how it's yeah. set up. But it's something that feels natural that does that, the same way seeds are scattered on Earth all the time through a natural process. Um, what if there was something that scattered people across the universe yeah. in order to, to protect them, see if so. they could survive? And there were, there were huge chunks at first that were, that were brought. Yeah, the I mean, mining a, Kind of a, the... Uh, there's a whole theory behind the trees and a mother tree and the seeds and yes. they go grow that I probably don't have time for. But, <laughs> but anyway, that the the big mining stuff in Arizona was part of that initial colony thing that was brought in right as they were experiencing a uh, some kind of disaster close by. Mm -hmm. But that became like the home then for small pockets to be brought into. Yeah, and there's all kinds of story beyond that and where it goes and what it does. But yeah, you were basically pretty that's so, close. That's so, that's so beautiful. That's like the transporting is there to, to so it's literally that the, the trees are sort of scattering humanity in order to uh, increase its evolutionary chances of survival. Right, in right. And it's in a amazing. weird way, we even like the fact that you're scattered not with just your own species. You're yeah. scattered with, you're going to meet other species. And by the way, if you 
If you mess it up or kill yourself or destroy the trees or, or whatever, well, you probably won't move forward because you, you know, this is survival of the people who can kind of get along. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's some interesting stuff there that we played with. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an idea of what the disaster in the, in the bad ending of the of the game with what what that does that you sort of arrive back on Earth and there's a disaster happening? What that is, or do you not want to say? Or uh, it, you know, in some ways it's generic. I yeah. don't know that we ever specify it's at some point in the future. Um, that was also unspecified, but yeah, it's it's what we all you know without getting too serious. It's like. We're we're susceptible to this stuff here. It's like you know? climate change, nuclear war happened. Yeah. Earth is Earth, we pick your disaster, and if we're all here, there's not much left, you know. So, um, yeah. yeah, and and there's always that that cool element of you can't go home. You know, we all hear that, but it's it's kind of yeah. true. You know, it's it's not always the best to go home. The ending was so beautiful. I really, I really, I, I, I adored the game. I hope everyone who watches it plays it. Um, and uh, on on PS4 coming out soon, I think, right? Yeah, it should be next yeah. year, early next Thank year. Thank you so much for talking to me. This was such a thrill and uh, and a and a pleasure and an honor. And also, just to the best thing is to get to play a game and love it, and then get to ask the creator your all your questions about oh, it. Oh man, it's such you, a Adam. privilege. So. No, this is my this is my pleasure. Awesome. I, we got into things that I don't get to talk about, so this was really that's awesome. great. I'm so happy for yeah. that. Well, thank you. So so much, man. Thank you. Thanks once again to Rand Miller for doing that interview, and that's it for this bonus episode of Humans Who Make Games. You can follow me on Twitter at, at @AdamConover, sign up for my newsletter at AdamConover.net, or follow me on Twitch at Twitch.tv/AdamConover. Thanks for listening. See you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Starburns Audio and IGN. Produced by Noah Eberhardt, engineered by Matt Brousseau, and executive produced by Jason Smith and Brian Baldinger. Listen to this podcast a day early using the Himalaya Podcast app. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts.